These are unprecedented times. The world is tackling a global pandemic, the like of which none of us have ever experienced before. Against this backdrop, what role does sport have to play? Major events have been cancelled, but the Tokyo Games are set to go ahead, postponed to 2021. This is Medals and More, the podcast getting you behind the scenes of Olympic and Paralympic sport. I'm Catherine Granger, and in this episode, we'll be hearing from three of the people tasked with preparing the British athletes for these new dates. We'll hear from Andy Anson, the Chief Executive of the British Olympic Association. We're all very focused on getting the athletes in the best place they can possibly be for the Games, mentally and physically. The Chief Executive of the British Paralympic Association, Mike Sharrick. It'll be an opportunity for the world to sort of reconnect in a way, you know, we've all been disconnected. And I think there's nothing like the Olympics and Paralympics for bringing people together and and connecting. And Sally Monday, the chief executive here at UK Sport. Will the government carry on investing in medals when there's the NHS to invest in? As we record this, remotely of course, with my guests all in their own homes, it has been just over three weeks since the IOC and the IPC announced the postponement. It feels strange. I mean, it's been an action-packed month in a way. I think we were in Tokyo just a month ago on a recce for the for the games happening in July of this year and meeting with all our relative partners and going on a tour of the Olympic Village, etc. That was literally four weeks ago, and and we got back and straight away there, it was clear that the you know the games were at risk and um, and the pressure was building on the IOC and made the decision and, and then a week later made the decision that the games were going to be in July 2021. And that has caused an awful lot of work in terms of resetting all of our plans. So actually, the four-week period, well, in some ways, it seems to be a lifetime ago, the four weeks. It's gone incredibly quickly in another dimension where we've been resetting every single plan, financial number, commercial deal. And we've achieved a lot in four weeks. So it's just been the most bizarre, surreal time. But I have to say, what's been impressive is just the way that everyone in the BOA, and I know in, in all the other organisations as well, has just pulled together and, and, and made stuff happen straight away in an incredibly positive way. So it's, it's been an interesting time, but it, it does bring out the best in people as well. Good to hear. Mike, has similar things happened in the Paralympic Association? Uh, yes, very much. I mean, it, it is, we're, we're all in this really extraordinary time, aren't we? And um, sort of finding our way through it, I guess, is is, is the thing. I mean, it, it's also, you know, only a few weeks. And, but in those few weeks, we have to sort of put a, put a different perspective on everything that we're doing as well. So we're, there there is an awful lot of activity going on, but there is a much wider thing going on at the same time. And the wider thing, is far more important than any of us you know, uh, of, of what we're doing in terms of the global crisis and you know the huge respect that we have for the NHS and everybody working on the front line at the moment. It sort of puts what we do and the challenges that we're facing into a perspective. It, it doesn't make it less busy, but the whole context for what we're doing is is, is different. And um, like Andy has just said, I'm hugely proud of the team and the way that everyone has just responded and the resilience they're showing the professionalism but also the sort of it's the care that's sort of shining there's a real sense of people caring for one another and and that's just great to see as well um 
So yes, it, it's strange times. Um, lots of work to do. I think it was great to have that early decision in the end on moving the games back by a year. It just took so much stress out of the system that was there um, for the athletes primarily, so that they could focus on staying safe and staying well, which was, you know, which is obviously what we all want them to do. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 sort of right in the middle of it. We don't quite know when we're going to come out. We don't. As we come out, we don't quite know what's going to be the same and what's going to be different. So interesting times. And Sally, like Mike said, that a lot of stress was relieved to some extent by the, the clarity and the delay of the decision from when the Olympics and Paralympics would be held. But in other ways, it's added different stresses for some of the workload that people are now facing. What's it feeling like at UK Sport? There was a huge amount of, I think, tension in in the system before it was announced that the games would be postponed and um unsurprisingly so you know we 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 were months away from the most important competition uh for for athletes who are seeking to compete in an olympic or a paralympic games and so you know mindsets were very much in the sort of final lead in to to those games and the thoughts for athletes and their coaches and the support staff of not being able to execute their plans to prepare and the pressure that was was putting on I can see why it created such a attention and strain so like Mike said the decision coming when it did was was really welcomed because it enabled that that pressure to be lifted at a time when actually it was really important that I think all of us as citizens were able to play our part in what the country was seeking to do to stop the spread of this this virus so it took that pressure away well where we're at now is we're now obviously all thinking about okay what does this mean the games are now and now next year what does that mean for uh how we prepare and i think the the really interesting thing is that whilst we know that the games have been moved a year what we don't yet know is when restrictions will get lifted how they'll get restricted not just here but for a lot of our sportsmen and women who will be doing training potentially in other countries whether they'll be able to travel and do that type of thing whether there'll be any competition there's so much unknown about the next year what we're trying to do at UK Sport is to try and keep a mindset that is really agile that is really open because we haven't got the normal fixed parameters that we're used to what we have is a, a fluid situation around us and so that means that we can't necessarily have our usual kind of uh, fixed approach. We're going to have to be flexible and agile. Uh, and similar to what both Andy and Mike have said, what's been really incredible is seeing how people in our organisation in UK Sport have responded to that. But also the thing that I have found really encouraging is how the sports sector, and particularly the in, my, in our world, the high performance sector have come together to collaborate to try and solve things as they're happening. And that's been, that's been really, really encouraging uh, because that I think will give us the best chance when we get to restart training, uh, restart uh, and new focus uh, ahead of next year, knowing that that collaboration exists is is a really positive thing. Andy, you, you sort of commented on how much sort of financial resetting has had to be done by the, the Olympic Association and including all the commercial deals. How how 
considering how much must have been spent already on, you know, booking accommodation, the the travel arrangements, on commercial sponsorships, all those things that were already in place because we were getting so close to the Games. What has that meant realistically with the, the delay now? Clearly the financial side of all of our organisations and I guess everyone around the country as well um, is just thrown into a massive uncertainty. And we are, as you know, 100% commercially funded. So we had two real um objectives in terms of managing our operations and finances. One was to make sure we could secure as much of our commercial revenue into 2021 as possible. In the majority of cases, we've managed to do that, and that's been really encouraging. And our sponsors have just been unbelievably supportive, and our other commercial partners as well. But the other side, as you rightly say, was protecting the cost base. We had spent a lot of money already on Tokyo. And we didn't want, and I'll use just one example, is is hotels where we put deposits down for hotel accommodation of hundreds of thousands of pounds. We didn't want to lose that money. So we had a secondary objective, which was to make sure that all of our supplier deals and contracts and places where we spent money, that money could be carried forward to support the games in 2021 and not just lost or sunk. Um, and so we've been, we've, you can imagine, we've got thousands of, of supplier contracts at this point logistics for transportation for air travel for for accommodation around the preparation camp performance lodge just a lot of deals and again the support we've had from our partners in japan our supplier partners has just been incredible and we've managed to shift most of that cost into into next year now so that it's just being deferred by you and any deposit that we've paid for example on hotels we're still doing the, the legal details, but the, the, the deposits are being carried forward against accommodation for next year. British Airways have let us rebook all the flights um, and, and, and transfer those into 2021. So minimising the sunk cost has been a, a massive sort of commercial objective. And the way we've achieved that just in, a, in the four weeks has, has been fantastic. So to some extent, we protected the, the core of our revenues. We're still waiting to hear from the IOC actually because a large chunk of our money comes from the top sponsors the top partners of the IOC the major the major deals they have and, and we're still waiting to hear how they've gone on with renegotiating some of their deals and that's a, a big unknown and we will lose some money next year we will have we would have had some new deals that we would have expected to come in place in 2021 we'd have expected to renew some of those existing deals so that money just won't materialise because it will happen after the 2021 games so this is a, it's a big, complex um, piece of work, but we've gone a long way in, in these few weeks. And, and in the new incremental costs are minimal. It's things like warehousing of, of gym equipment and sports equipment that we were going to take out to Tokyo. But they, we've managed to keep those to an absolute minimum. So I think we've moved a long way. Of course, we're not out of the woods. There's still risks and there's still uncertainty in the economy ahead of us. But I'm pretty um, pleased with where we've got to now. And does there feel there's risk to the... British Olympic Association itself, the uncertainties well, in the economy. Honestly, when you first heard the news, that was my biggest concern because the worst case scenarios meant that we were going to lose millions, you know, seven to eight million pounds out of our money for the next two years. And, you know, if you look at our finances, that is a massive chunk. As we've gone through over the last four weeks and, and piece by piece removed risk from that worst case scenario and moved towards a sort of better expected case, I think the risk to the organisation at this point has been has been reduced quite considerably. So that's not now my main concern. Of course, the, the main concern is filling filling the gap and the hole. Um, but I think we have plans for that. 
we just have to hope that at the end of this, you know, a lot of our commercial partners, um, their businesses are robust and, and stay in place. And, and that, you know, we've got to help them now as well because they've been so supportive of us. So that I think that risk is, is receding. There's t- two or three big risks still around, but, but that risk is receding. And I think that's the, the sort of positive news and the positive energy that's come out of the last few weeks is we've gone from the worst case scenario to a much better looking um, scenario, the organisation as a whole. And I'd say one of the other positive things is new isolation means we're all working from home, obviously, as we are today. But it means... For example, Andy, you get to be out in the beautiful garden with blue sky behind you and we're getting treated to some lovely birdsong. And Mike, from the British Paralympic Association, how how is business feeling? I think similar to the way Andy described it, the team have been working really hard on all those aspects of what we do for Tokyo and making sure that we're protecting the money that we've spent and where we can to roll that forward to next year so i think i think that's looking generally pretty positive i think that there's no doubt there will be some additional costs from deferring the games for a year um just the fact that it's going to have an additional year and and all the things that that means uh will um will add to the cost but in terms of some of the the big sunk costs that we've already done i think we're we're optimistic we're going to be able to roll those forward I think the bigger issue for us uh, on the funding side is that we would always plan to do a, a fairly, uh, you know, to bring in quite a lot of the funding that we need in in the last year of uh, before the games and in the last months before the games, we had some pretty big fundraising plans all sort of set to go, uh, mainly through our corporate partnerships. Um, those most likely won't happen. Um, and of course, we'll be looking to see where we where we can to roll those forward to next year. It does create, from a cash flow point of view, we are always operating on a pretty tight um, budget, and so we're going to need to be really, really careful going forward. Um, and there is still quite a bit of uncertainty, a, a lot we don't know. I mean, we have the BPA is is a relatively small charity. We rely, uh, we get a we get a, a bit of our funding through UK Sport and the lottery, which is fantastic. It's about 13% of the total. The rest we rely on primarily corporate partnerships and and a small number of um, very generous major donors who who help us as well. The reality for many of our corporate partners is that they've got huge issues of their own that they're managing at the moment themselves um, in their businesses. And uh, whilst we do have really strong relationships, um, we're we're probably not top of mind at the moment. They've got a lot of stuff to sort out. So we will sit down with them um, when they're ready um, and we'll work through it. Um, We're very aware of the fact that we haven't been able or we won't be able to to give them sort of the highlight two weeks of the four-year partnership um, that we are committed to do. Um, Having said that, it will be there in 2021, we hope. And the games in 2021 will possibly be an even bigger opportunity for the world to come together and reconnect and, and celebrate. And our hope is that our partners will want to be part of that um, and not only part of that, but also to be part of our journey through to Paris in, in 2024. And so we will be talking to all of our partners about that. Um, and, you know, I'm positive that we'll get some really positive responses from them. Um, but it needs to be when they're ready for it. Um, and 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 so that process is sort of just starting um, and will take place over over the next month or so. 
I guess right now there's a lot of uncertainty in our planning and the the team of course are feeling that uncertainty and we're we're having some good conversations with UK sport and I think it you know we're we're hoping we're going to get to a position where um, where we'll be able to work as we always do with UK sport so that they're there if we need you know, UK sport you're there if you need us but but actually, hopefully, we'll be able to find our own way through it. And I think that's sort of that's kind of where we are at the moment. Sally, you must be having many conversations across many national governing bodies who are similarly concerned about the, the current situation and the, the sort of fluid future that lies ahead for all of us. Yeah, we've been uh, engaging really closely with the governing bodies of sport uh, and the, the, the partners that, that we fund and as you'd expect, there are there there is anxiety about uh, out there. Interestingly, um, one of the things that has been happening in sport over the last few years is that a lot of governing bodies have been doing a really fantastic job of diversifying their income and finding other ways of generating revenue that isn't just from from the public purse. Um, and the really the really challenging thing is that the sports that have been the most successful at doing that are now the sports that are probably the most affected by this crisis because they are less reliant on on the funding that we give them um, but they have seen money that has come in from other sources dry up overnight so a lot of those governing bodies are are in in um in challenging positions but it's been really impressive to see how the leadership in those organizations are responding to this and uh trying to ensure that they are making good decisions to ensure the 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 sort of longevity of their organizations and i think that uh that's been impressive to see and everyone's been very open and it goes back to what i was saying earlier about the the collaboration uh, from a UK sport perspective, our, uh, our emphasis is, is very clear. We're, we're focusing on three things, uh, protect, prepare and play our part. And the protect piece is particularly uh, relevant to what you've just asked in the fact that we feel that we've got an important role to play in supporting the organisations in the high performance system to protect them, to ensure that they come out of this in one piece and that they still exist and can function effectively as a governing body or whatever their role is, because we fund uh, other partners as well. So um, the protect part is really, really important because we want to make sure that every organisation is is in a in a place where they can survive and, and, and thrive again when we evolve out of this crisis. That's Sally Mundy, the Chief Executive of UK Sport. This is Medals and More, getting you behind the scenes of Olympic and Paralympic sport. I'm Catherine Granger. There's a lot of conversations about the fact that um, the UK Sport has got its money sort of assured to the end of March 2021. But then there's now a, this gap between then and the Olympics and the Paralympics happening in the summer. How confident would you be with the uncertainties we're all experiencing and every sector will be experiencing about getting reassurance from government that there'll be enough funding to to reassure the teams that there'll be the support the right the way through the summer well it's fair to say that olympic and paralympic sport has been consistently well supported for a really long period of time by successive governments for which i think all of us that exist in this environment are really appreciative uh, but there's reason why that they contribute and they invest and they do so because high performance sport 
the Olympics and the Paralympics is really, really important to the British public. Every time surveys are done, they ask the British public about what makes them to feel makes them feel proud about being British. Team GB and Paralympics GB comes up there uh, in the top three or four things alongside things like the NHS and our military services. So the government have invested because they know it's important to the British public. We totally recognise that where we are right now is unprecedented. And, you know, I've been asked the question around, will the government carry on investing in medals when there's the NHS to invest in? I don't think we see uh, our role and government's investment as just being about medals. It's about what the journey to those medals and the moments that lead to those medals create for the British public, that it creates happiness, it creates enjoyment, it creates a sense of pride that actually not many other things can give. And there's no question in my mind that when the Olympics and the Paralympics take place next summer, it is going to be the most phenomenal party of countries around the world coming together. It's going to be such a celebration of, yes, sport and performance sport will be at the heart of it, but it's going to be a celebration of humanity uh, that we can all um, convene in a place and that people, you know, teammates can hug again, um, athletes can high five again, that people can do um, what our incredible athletes do. And because of all of that, and because we know how important this is to the British public, I do feel confident that the government will continue to support and invest us. We've got a really good relationship with our uh, sponsoring department, the DCMS. They've been superb during this period in terms of working with us to understand what the issues are that our system faces during this time. They are consistently supportive and available to us. They understand the challenges that we now face with this uh, incredible situation of the Games being postponed. But I do feel confident that for the reasons I've outlined, the government will want to invest and support to make sure that we can take a really well prepared team to both the Olympics and the Paralympics and we can make the nation proud. Um, you know, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it, Catherine, you know, that, you know, in 14, 15 months time, that we'll all be able to look look back at what has been an incredibly, incredibly challenging period that we are nowhere near out of yet, but that we will be able to hopefully come back together again next year and celebrate all that is good about sport uh, and the fact that the Olympics and the Paralympics brings nations and humanity together almost like nothing else. And in Mike, do you both feel there's a sense that if it all goes ahead as we hope, come next summer that these games could feel even more different than than normal yeah i think it, it you know let's hope and assume that they do go ahead i think it's just going to be as as, as sally said so eloquently the, the most amazing um festival of, of sport and humanity coming together and i think tokyo is a great place for that i think they will they will do a fantastic job of making this the most emotional and meaningful games there has been. It's so important to them as a country. It's a fantastic um, city, fantastic country to be the host. And and I think, you know, everyone will be will be needing this Olympics like they've never done before. I mean, you're 
you know, have a very different perspective of it than we do, having competed and, and it undoubtedly, um, you know, have, have meant so much to you as an athlete. And I think we're going to see that to all of the athletes competing. It's going to be so important to them as individuals. It's going to take on a whole new meaning. And, you know, I think what's great about when, when you hear Sally and Mike um, speak and what I see at the BOA, we're all very focused on getting the athletes in the best place they can possibly be for the Games. And, and that means mentally and physically. And I think that we all need to help the athletes build up to this Games, you know, both our own and around the world, actually, to make it as, as good and as meaningful, as impactful as it possibly can be. I think it's going to be incredible Games um, when it happens. What Andy and Sally have just said is absolutely true. At, at the BPA, you know, we're very clear on our role. And in a sense, we have two roles. What The, the primary role is to get the a best prepared team to the games and to create an environment where every athlete can compete at their best. And that's what we will do. And we will do that in, in 2021. I think we're, we're also very clear that it's through the success of our athletes that we as the BPA are able to play our part in shifting attitudes to disability across the UK. And that's a hugely important thing for us. And, um, and to use the inspiration of the of the athletes to, in a sense, to shift the narrative on disability and ability um, across the UK and and beyond the UK, the, the both the, the BOA, both Team GB and Paralympics GB, you know, our influence runs well beyond the UK, and we're we're both very involved more broadly within the Olympic and Paralympic movements, and that is such an important part of. Of, of what we do um, and I think there's there's no doubt that if the games go ahead as we as we plan that they will become uh, or they will become bigger than sport and in a sense they there is always that additional element anyway um, but I certainly hope that it'll be an opportunity for the world to sort of reconnect in a way you know we've all been disconnected and that we are currently disconnected and it will just be a wonderful opportunity to reconnect and then and at a very simple level you know for the world to smile again and i think there's nothing like the olympics and paralympics for bringing people together and and connecting um we can all remember back in london that that amazing summer of 2012 and and what it did for the country um and from the paralympics perspective you know what it did to attitudes to disability across the uk um, and beyond, uh, London 2012 made a huge impact, which is still there today. Of course, much more still needs to be done. Um, and I think in, in Tokyo as well and in Japan, I mean, we saw what an amazing job they did in the Rugby World Cup. Uh, Japan is so desperate to host these games. I and mean, we've got some great friends over there who have been working for the last seven years to put on the games. And they are hugely disappointed not to be able to do it this year. But I just sense there is a real commitment to make them even better. They might not be perfect because, you know, we're in the middle of a global crisis. And I think I think that's OK, that they're not going to be perfect in every single way. But what they could represent could be you know, much, much bigger. So, yes, I think there's a lot there to, to look forward to. No, I agree. It's not, I don't think people will be seeking perfection, but... The, the ability of how profound they could feel on a sort of human level 
it's something mm. that's the opportunity that lies ahead for all of us. Um, with with your different roles, are any of you aware of of? I mean, it's it's a big question. Everyone will be feeling differently, but how the athletes are are doing through this time and how they're being impacted by all this? I think it's really mixed, in the same way that it's mixed for all of us. In the fact that I think that what has been really impressive is the ingenuity of of athletes and their support staff uh, in the in the governing bodies to recreate uh, ways to for them to carry on training. Um, there's been some amazing stuff that I think we've all seen on on social media about how athletes are continuing training. Um, and also not just that, but how many athletes uh, are playing a role in in playing their part in the wider part of society and whether that's athletes who trained as medics returning to the front line uh, in in roles for the NHS or athletes doing things online to, uh, to encourage people to be physically active or just some of the athletes doing stuff online that is just comedy gold, uh, that is just putting smiles on people's faces, but trying to keep people connected and, and engaged. So that's been really impressive. But I also think that for for some athletes, um, this is this is really, really challenging. You know, there will have been athletes who were expecting to retire after the games this summer. What does this what does this mean for them? They've got to navigate their way through through that. There are athletes who this would have potentially been their first games. There's a lot of athletes that have been waiting to find out if they're going to qualify or if they're going to be selected. And they thought that was just around the corner. And now it's you know, it's a, it's much further away. So there is a whole, I think, emotional and mental piece for 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 the athletes, as well as what's talked about a lot around just them being able to to carry on training. And um, what we have done in partnership with uh, other organisations is put in place a huge amount of support for athletes around their well-being and mental health to uh, help support them during this period. And that's been really well taken up by by a lot of athletes. There's there's a lot of resource and support out there for them. And I think that's really important. Uh, But I think um, like the rest of us, I think if you asked a a dozen different athletes how they were feeling, you would probably get a, a dozen different responses. But what I feel really confident about is that um, as we evolve out of this and we're able to return more to to training and thinking more about preparation for next year, I'm very confident that the system will be ready to support the athletes to be the best that they can be again for for next year. Um, But it's an unsettling time for everybody, athletes, the support staff, everybody. Part of our role is to provide certainty and clarity around what it means to qualify for the games next year how the qualification pathways are going to change because uh, once that's known then training once we're all back to some some type of normality the training plans can be can be tailored accordingly so a big part of our role is trying to glean as much information as we can now from from the IOC and from international federations around around those qualifying pathways, so that we can start communicating and providing certainty to athletes to give them a you know a vision of what the future looks like, which will definitely help. But there are there's so many different circumstances that you know there's some athletes are fortunate to be um, you know sharing homes with other athletes so they can train together. Um, you know we saw. Alistair Brown in the media this morning with his swimming pool in his garage, um, being able to train in his garage. But and so some have got you know relatively good circumstances, others are, are clearly have tougher circumstances, and we've got to make sure we're we're pulling together to help them. And our role is, is definitely about providing as much information and certainty and communicating as as clearly as we can 
and that's very much at the top of our agenda. That's Andy Anson, the Chief Executive of the British Olympic Association. I'm Catherine Granger, this is Medals and More, the podcast getting you behind the scenes of Olympic and Paralympic sport. Mike, we talked briefly about the both you and Andy's world is quite the international world. You're very much in touch with what other countries are going through at the same time and, and obviously the collaboration there is important. I'm aware that when we were we were speaking a, a, a week or so ago and uh, it was quite late at night and I thought it was bad enough that we were working late and you were about to join a conference call sort of globally. Uh, I think you got the bad time zone compared to the other nations, but can you just tell us about how that works? Yes, um, I mean, this is, um, I, th- I think if I remember rightly, that was a call that um, I'm currently doing about every couple of weeks or so. And it's really staying in touch with both the with the US and Canada, but also with Australia and New Zealand. And so we're sort of in the middle there, or I guess anyone could be in the middle, but we're in the middle in terms of the late night slot. Um, I mean, it's it's there's an awful lot of contact that is going on, and um, that particular one is is a relationship that's been in place for for some time, and 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 it's great because it does enable us to stay connected with other Paralympic organisations that are going through exactly the same thing that we're going through. We do a lot of sharing. On the one hand, it's reassuring to to find that we're not alone. And so I think there is certainly value in, uh, in in sharing. It's part of it's part of the role that we see for ourselves as well within the Paralympic movement. I think it's, you know, we, we think we're talking now about some of the challenges that we're facing, um, but it's also good to remember how fortunate we are in this country with the level of support and funding that we have coming into our Olympic and Paralympic systems um, and, how amazing they are but there are many countries that that don't have that and i think it's one of the things that we uh, and possibly more in the paralympic world than the olympic world are, are aware of is that there are many countries that struggle to send a team to the games um and the i think if i remember back to london there were possibly 60 or 70 countries that sent one or two athletes and that's something that we feel we also have a responsibility for um, to see how we can contribute to the wider the wider movement, uh, not just here in the UK. But but no, that particular call you mentioned was um, was around sharing, and it's something that happens. We're also in touch with the International Paralympic Committee frequently at all levels, um, and they're being hugely supportive, and they're showing great leadership at the moment. Uh, we're also, of course, in touch with all the various um, the organising committee in Tokyo and and others. So there is a there is a very uh, and the whole team are sort of con- connected and and in touch um, at lots of different levels right the way through. Uh, but I certainly enjoy the the opportunity um, to. Have, I've got another one I think tomorrow night um, at starting at ten o'clock or something ridiculous um, with uh, with what, the five eyes as we as we call as we call it. You were all basically coming to your first. Olympic or Paralympic Games in these current roles you're in so I suppose I just wanted to know what you're facing now how you're dealing with it now what would you say your your style of leadership is when especially when you're facing this type of crisis we were touching on it earlier weren't we I think I think the the temptation I think as a leader in an organization when you're in the middle of a crisis like this is to think that somehow you've got to provide all the answers all of the time and of course, that's not that's absolutely not true. I think um, I think 
it's okay for a leader to be able to share some of the anxieties that they're feeling. And I think right now, um, being able to share a bit of vulnerability with with your team and that you don't have all the answers is is a good thing to be able to do. And you know, I think it's getting that balance right. Um, and so, so if I think about how I'm feeling in the midst of this, I'm feeling, um, actually I'm feeling incredibly proud of the team in terms of how they are all responding and knowing that each and every one of the team will be feeling their own anxieties about their situation, about their families, about the future and not having all the answers, but just seeing how everyone is responding is amazing. I'm, I'm also finding it a, you know, every, every day it's, it's sort of, if you think about the, the totality of what has to be, what has to be done, it can be quite daunting. But then if you step back and think about, well, what are the what are the short term goals we need to be working on a, a bit like anything, really, um, then it becomes more manageable. Um, and I think that's important. Um, and it's important to be able to acknowledge that you don't have all the answers, um, but that through working together, being very open with one another. I think that's really important. Um, I think the team just acknowledge that you don't have all the answers, but they really want to know that you'll you'll keep them informed as as well as you can as you go through um so yes i I, i'm i'm sure there'll be lots of learning coming out of this um and there needs to be we can't go through a situation like this and just revert to how we were before Um, there needs to be some real learning on many many different levels um personal societal just organizational lots of different levels in terms of you know what have we what have we really learned from this in terms of how we want to move forward so mike obviously made some some great points i think this there's a few elements that you sort of that i find i need to to use to to help the decision making the first thing is i'm incredibly lucky to inherit to have inherited a great team at the boa so we've got some very high caliber people throughout the whole organization and that's just a great starting point because it means you can kick ideas and thoughts and processes around before you you know you decide on your ultimate solutions i think that's important the other thing that i i personally find really important is my broader network and i think you know i know for example sally and myself and, and mike and myself had a lot of conversations and and likewise with ceos of national governing bodies other olympic committees and just drawing on that but also you know other other people in in the world of sports and business who who you can rely on we, we you know we've got an amazing board at the boa and there's some very very helpful individuals on the board who've been feeding in and just providing really sound import input um, into into the process. So that network is is very important at, at difficult times. Um, so so that those things are important. I, it's quite interesting because I spent um, my last two big jobs were were doing really hardcore turnarounds for publicly listed companies. And um, when I took this job, I thought, okay, I've done my turnaround bit. This is going to be more fun, more about growth and expansion. But actually, what's happening now is more akin to what I had to do in those those turnarounds. Is just to you know to look at the downside risks, to really weigh up every every issue, every problem, but every opportunity, and come up with a plan that everyone can buy into. And so the the experience from my background is that, that I thought I would need the least has actually probably been the most useful over the last four weeks and and that's helped but it, i think really the team the individuals in the organization and, the, and my broader network has been a massive part of, of just helping you navigate and and as mike said just you know admitting what you don't know 
and trying to trying to work with others to to get to solutions that work. But I think the great stuff is when everyone starts pulling together. And I know that Sally and myself have been working with other um, NGB CEOs throughout this this time, and there's some really great thinking and positive collaboration coming together. And as Mike said, I think if there's anything, this time needs to tell us actually, you know, we need to work together. We need to help each other more. And we need to rely on each other more because. We've got an amazing network of organisations across the whole UK sports landscape, and I think we can we can help ourselves to achieve even more um, through collaboration going forward. So it's those things that really help. And and you know once you've got a plan, just just go for it and and be really clear in how you're going to execute it. When you go and do training or development as a leader, where you know if you go to business school or you go to um, on leadership courses, you know they prepare you and train you for all these different scenarios that you might face as a as a leader. But never in any of the training that I've ever done has a global pandemic ever been mentioned. Um, and so I don't I don't think that um, I don't think that there is uh, anything that kind of prepares you for. For this type of impact on a on a global on a global scale, and uh, similar to what Andy said, I mean, I, I've been in post just over six months, and inherited a, a phenomenal team. I'm surrounded by incredibly talented and committed people, and I feel like a, a bit like the conductor of, of an orchestra. That my role is very much about just getting everyone who's playing the instruments to just play at the right time. And because they're all really, really talented, actually, as the conductor, if you can get that bit right, then uh, you can make some beautiful music, even if it is in, in a crisis. Um, I said to the, the the immediate team that I work with, our director team at UK Sport, when this kicked off, I said our, our role was to stay calm, was to stay agile and stay together. And if we were able to do that, if we were able to keep calm, if we were able to keep agile, stay together, and perhaps inject a little bit of humour on occasion, then the, actually we would find a, a, a way through this and we'd navigate our way through this together. But I've also uh, been uh, really, really fortunate, not only by the people in the business, but similar to what the others said about, about their boards. But the thing that I think probably I would reflect on that I think has, I think made me really excited to kind of in this role that I'm in is that this scenario this crisis is really bringing out the best in so many people in our system and you know that there's good people that work across the system uh, in in our partners and in, in in the governing bodies but as somebody once said you know in every crisis there's an opportunity and the way that people are pulling together and people are, are you know not not just my approach about wanting to stay calm, but the way the majority of people are are staying calm and are thinking in an agile way and really want to work together. That that's actually been been quite inspiring. And so I think that uh, despite the fact that kind of I don't think anything will have prepared any of us, not just in these roles, but generally for 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 this type of global crisis, uh, I'm actually excited by what this could lead to in in the long term because we had an incredibly um incredibly effective high performance system in this country before this began and i think what this is going to uh enable is a system that is is even better than than it was when we 
evolve out of this and and that is is quite exciting and something to to look forward to whenever whenever that comes but it feels like it's it's emerging already because of the way that people are behaving the way that people are coming together uh, and and as a leader in this system you can't help but be inspired by that i think for all the uncertainty we face for all the potential tragedy that is around us right now i think that the the power of the human spirit is the one thing we all hold to and i think to have that spirit at its strongest and its most resolved we all need hope and i just want to say in the world of high performance i think listen to the three of you today i think there's a hell of a lot of hope there because of the people we have in those leadership roles so thank you all not just for your time today but for the honesty you've shown for the passion you have for the jobs you do and the compassionate way you do it i think it's come across very clearly that that we're all in a good place not least because three of you and the work you're doing so andy anson chief exec of the boa mike shack Chief Exec of BPA, Sally Mundy, Chief Exec of UK Sport. Thank you on behalf of everyone in our organisations for all the work you do and continue to do. I'm Catherine Granger. This is Medals and More. Download and subscribe and you won't miss a moment.